You're listening to EG News, the podcast, the official podcast of the East Greenwich News publication produced by Nova Pro Media. Please visit eastgreenwichnews.com and join our newsletter so you can stay up to date with everything going on in our community. While you're at it, don't forget to hit that subscribe or follow button on this podcast so you can be notified every time we upload a new episode. And as always, don't forget to follow us on your favorite social media platform. And now, here's the show. Hi, everybody. It's Elizabeth McNamara from East Greenwich News, and I'm here with Joni Hinman this morning and Jesse Tolpa on the controls. And uh, we're presenting the kind of a look back on July 2022. 2022. Good Lord. We're already there. Yeah. Um, We're already five years in, too. And we're already five years into East Greenwich News as a nonprofit. Um, So we're celebrating in September, just a month from now, September 8th. It's a Thursday after Labor Day. We're just going to have a party at the Varnum Armory featuring a lot of local food and beverages. We're going to have a special cocktail, the Take Five. And the, or no, the, the high, high five, five. Yeah. excuse me. It's the high five. And then there's the low five for the non-alcoholic version. We're going to have Jason Kindness um, pouring that cocktail. And we're really hoping that everybody comes. We've got a lot of room in the armory. We'll have some music. We're going to have some raffles. And we're going to have some fun. Tickets available by looking online, right? Tickets will be available in August. So just about now, starting this next week. <laughs> Sorry, I guess, um, yeah. Um, anyway, that's the scoop for the birthday, and keep looking for that, and we really hope that you can join us. We are a nonprofit, and we do have ads on the site. It's kind of like public radio when they're underwritten by or brought to you by. Um, we call them sponsor advertisers. They are our sponsors. We are so indebted to them, um, but that only makes up less than half of our budget. We really rely on community donors and that's you. That's me. That's all of us. So hope you can join us on September 8th. A few hot topics in July. One of them, definitely the whole scheme for redoing the schools in East Greenwich. Yeah. And people are really starting to latch on to the decommissioning of Eldridge as an elementary school. Mm-hmm. What did the subcommittee find in the, the, the school building subcommittee as they did their study? Because it wasn't a, it was a pretty thorough research assignment. Yeah. You know, it, they have been working on this really for a couple of years. And there's a few different components that go into it. First of all, the state has money and they have more money or they're offering more money depending on certain metrics. So if you build newer and fewer schools, they'll reimburse at a higher rate. If you, um, uh, if you do certain types of renovations, certain security or health and safety type things, you'll get a bonus, um, those sorts of things. And so, so that's one thing that the planners have to keep in mind. Another thing they have to keep in mind is the demographics or the geography of our town. You know, um, we have Hannaford and Meadowbrook. They're right kind of near, well, they're kind of near each other. Um, then we have Eldridge downtown, the stout, you know, the, the, the original school of East Greenwich. How you know, old is that building? 
almost 100 years. I think it, it was built in 1927 or something like that. So it's nearing 100 years. And, you know, I mean, I have to admit, I came from California. We don't have buildings that look quite like that. You'll see buildings like that all over Rhode Island. But, but there is something so quintessentially school about it, to some of us anyway. I don't know. Um, and... And I did find it a pleasant experience for my kids. They happened to go there. We live in the neighborhood, so they were able to walk. And but I, and I imagine that's been a component for many people purchasing houses in that neighborhood. Like, oh, this will be great. My kid can just yeah. walk to, for, these, except, for these few years of school. Except it's only for three years. Right. And the interesting thing is when we moved here, they were just doing trying to put into place this thing called what they called pairing. At that point, all the four elementary schools, I'm holding up five fingers. I know those of you uh, listening can't see that, but there you go. That's well, how my brain one works. one to grow on. One to grow on. <laughs> but um, <laughs> anyway, um, all four schools were essentially neighborhood schools. But Frenchtown was kind of alone out there on the other side of Route 2, and that's where all the growth had been happening. So Frenchtown was, at that time, this was 1990-ish, um, totally overwhelmed with population. And meanwhile, downtown, Eldridge didn't have as many kids. There weren't as many kids living in the neighborhood. Those houses, you know, just hadn't, that whole market hadn't shifted the way it has now. It's not a, you know, so. So at that time, Eldridge was the elementary, the K they through were three, all, like. No, they were no? all K through six. Oh, okay. All four schools were K through okay. six, so they decided they were going to pair them, and they would pair Meadowbrook and Hannaford, having Meadowbrook be K through three at that point, and then Hannaford four through six. This mm-hmm. was before the middle school came into play about twelve years ago, but um, and then Eldridge and Frenchtown were paired, which is a slightly odd pairing because you're bringing people from, you know, you're busing kindergartners from the hill in the harbor way over to uh, Frenchtown, and then you're busing Frenchtown kids here. But basically, it kind of worked. It worked. Um, but there was a whole move against it. As I mean, change is always hard. And again, people thought, wait a minute, Eldridge, K-6, we could have our kids walking for seven years to the same school. Wouldn't that be nice? And kids didn't really walk to Frenchtown. They no, still no, don't so, walk. No to, they're not supposed there. to walk. Yeah. yeah. So that is a whole nother part of the, about this. But that's kind of how we ended up with these lots of transitions. And there's a lot of talk about, is that a good way to do school? Is it better to do it K through five in this instance? Now, uh, you know, there's reasons, good reasons for both. But I do think originally it was done because of population and where the population happened to be growing in the end of the, of the 20th century. So now here we are, and elder, they're looking to upgrade all the schools, and what they keep talking about is, is equity and the economics, the finances here. So making all the schools equal. You're not gonna build one new elementary school and have all the other kids going to older schools, you're going to do renovations to all of the schools, maybe. 
That's one way to look at it. But Eldridge can't be renovated the way some of the others. At least that's what they're saying. And, and it there can't be argument. made ADA compliant. Is that one of the components? Or it would be very pricey to do so. I thought I read that at one point. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think there is an elevator in the building. Now there is a way for somebody who has disability, you know, mobility issues to get into that building. But it obviously isn't as easy as some of the others. Um, could you add on? You know, sure, you could probably add on on either side, um, but that would that taint the historic structure or the historic integrity of the building? Maybe. Basically, what they're saying is you can do that, but it's more expensive, and that school will never be quite as up-to-date as the other schools is what they're saying or to make it that way would be really 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 expensive updated in terms of what like the gym the what are the what's lacking you know they, they keep talking about um and some of the the powerpoints they've had they show like the 19 the classroom of the 1950s with rows and kids and teacher mm -hmm. at the front and these days they're talking more about 21st century learning. And so that's actually something I really want to talk to people about. Are we, is this, are we going after a fad or is this true change in our environment? You know what I mean? Like kids need to learn how to collaborate and work together in groups in a way that they didn't used to before. That's the argument that's being made. Mm -hmm. And certainly technology, Eldridge does not have the wiring that is required for a lot of what we're doing now. Um, I think they make do right now, but I'm sure there's, you know, quite frankly, not enough plugs in places and, you know, the Wi-Fi is probably not great and, and things like that. But anyway, so these are all complex things, but people do have this feeling for Eldridge. I mean, I do think the most important thing to news to get out there is they're not talking about demolishing that building. Repurposing. They're talking about repurposing. So could As you... As what, like an administrative building? You could. You could... Um, could you move, right now the school administration is above the DPW, on, right. and it's a town, they're in town offices. Kind of by Swift Gym. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, thank you for that clarification. Um, we could move them over. Now, they'd have more than enough room in the schools, but maybe there's something else that could go in there. Some, um, a couple of people um, have suggested interesting things, like could we have a, a museum of sorts or history you know, could this be a place for the East Greenwich Preservation Society to live? Because they used to be down in the old jail. They sold that. Um, it may become a boutique hotel. Save this space. Who knows? But anyway, back to Eldridge. You know, where do they put their things? Do they need a permanent home? You know, it could be... Somebody said an arts center, you know, like Warwick has that um, Warwick Museum or Community Arts Center. So Who knows? The plan would be decommission, repurpose Eldridge, and then at Frenchtown, what happens over there? So you'd have, um, you'd have Hannaford and Meadowbrook as K through three schools, both of them, mm -hmm. handling all... The younger, youngest kids would go to Hannaford and Meadowbrook, and then you'd build a brand new school behind the current Frenchtown. And there's advantages there. First of all, there's room. If you've ever been back there, there's a, a couple of, of ball fields, yeah. and mm -hmm. you can so you could build a whole school without disturbing 
any student. You wouldn't have to close Put a trailers school up. or demolish a school yeah. first, yeah. right? Kind of and, like what um, happened with coal when they built kind the new of, coal. Although then they, they did take some of it off and they had to add some trailers to the right. old coal. Right. They're hoping that they, you know, that would be the least disruptive and also cheaper. But cheaper. then what happens to the existing Frenchtown building? The, that would eventually, after the new school is built, that would be torn down and all of thir- three through five grade school grade kids would go to that new Frenchtown school. It would be toward the back and, um, and then in the front would be the fields. And so if you, so in other words, the fields are in the back now, right. you'd move the fields in the front and you'd have the school in the back. And one of the things they're saying is that, um, it, people are really worried about traffic. Everybody drives their kids to school. I wonder, you know what I think? What? We should try to incentivize people to take the bus. But that's hard. It's hard to change habits. Um, in the old, back in the old days, everybody took the bus or walked or rode their bike to school. And now yeah, and a sometimes lot parents are drive. assessing, well, how long is my kid going to be on the, on bus, the bus when I can go get him or her in two seconds? Right. Yeah. Or they have activities right after school right. in a or way that they didn't used to. Or they've got to get somebody from another school in right. town. Right. So there's a lot of reasons why all of this is happening now. Um, you know, people are driving more. But it also creates more traffic. So some people are like, whoa, there's already bad traffic problems at the current Frenchtown. Well, the plant. Yeah, it was not. My kids actually went to Frenchtown, and it was not easy to get. Even though I was in the district for yeah. Meadowbrook, there was no room at the time at that we Meadowbrook. moved here. So you, at Meadowbrook. they went to, oh, okay. So they went to Frenchtown. And yeah. um, anyway, but it was, it was not an easy traffic right, flow to get right. in and out of there. So, so if it's they're know, saying the because, kids, it but will, they're yeah. saying because it's farther back on the property, you'd be taking, they could design you it could better. design it better yeah. and you'd be taking cars off of Frenchtown and maybe it would be better. Um, so that's yeah. one of the big concerns. And, you know, could we within this whole giant plan Put in sidewalks oh, on Frenchtown Road, for instance. Yeah. Um, it seems like a lot of restaurant residents would like that, or a sidewalk at least on one side of the street, if not both. Kind of yeah. like what you know, Middle Road yeah. now is more pedestrian friendly because it has those crosswalks that are a little more brightly colored and things like that. A sign a crossing guard here and there. <laughs> I know yeah. people ask that all the time. Why don't we have crossing guards? And I don't know. We did try to. Um, well, there was one at. Hampford, I believe. I believe there's a crossing guard there. Well, there's a police officer that often hangs out there. Oh, that's different. Okay. Um, but you know, like the old, you know, when I visit my mom in California, there's a woman yeah. or a man just at this crosswalk in front of one of the schools. Yeah, Maury and was my crossing guard. I remember him well. Are you kidding? Maury? Yeah. Maury the crossing guard? <laughs> yes. He was so nice. That is so sweet. <laughs> we got a puppy and I brought him a picture of it because I thought he'd really want that. A picture of my dog. <laughs> you know what? I'm sure he treasure, treasured it to the end and his children looking through his things was like, what is that dog? Anyway, so I, people I think that's know, an though, interesting we're, story. We're a ways from this happening, and there's time to get involved to there read is. up. I mean, I think it got yeah. everyone's attention when they when they saw, oh, wait a minute. 
yeah. decommission elements. Yeah. Hang on. Okay, yeah. now I'm interested. Yeah. So uh, the sequence of events for this is it what has to pass the so subcommittee? First, it's been at the building committee. They took it to the school committee, and the school committee said, you know what? We want more feedback from what the teachers are saying about all this. Um, and, and so they took it back, and that's where it's been. Um, I think it'll be going back to the school committee pretty soon. And the school committee can say, yes, we support this plan. And, and they have revisited these things. They've really looked into what, what it would be like to keep Eldridge, for instance, after that last, you know, in the past few months. Um, I think there are still some people that are going to be dissatisfied with their answers. And um, again, stay involved. I, I, I do think... <sighs> It's, it's always hard. It, it's best if you can go to these meetings, but I know that that's tough. So we're trying to do the best we can in reporting out. And if you have specific questions, shoot them my way, our way. But who Editor should... at East Greenwich News. Oh, yep. Sorry, cut you off. No, no, no. Go ahead. Who uh, else should, should um, concerned residents be approaching? School committee members or? Sure, you know? sure. They can talk to school committee members. Allison Powell is the head of this particular committee. She's a school committee member. She's up for re-election. Um, and, you know, it, maybe it's going to be an election issue. It probably will be, actually. Come to think of it, if you guys are, we are going to be holding candidate forum in October. So start thinking of questions. We'll, we'll be soliciting those, I think, starting in September. But, um you know, town council too. The t so school committee has to approve this. Then it goes to the town council because they're the ones who can, they're the only ones who can authorize a bond referendum. Because the fact of the matter is we're talking maybe a million, a hundred million dollar bond referendum. Just for perspective, I think it was 52 million for the renovate, for the new coal and, um, other changes, some changes at the high school and some other changes around the district. We got very lucky in that particular go around because it happened after 2008 and, and we fell into a recession and a lot of builders wanted this project. So everyone underbid what they had originally thought. Seeing how inflation is now, chances are that we're not going to get lucky twice. Yeah. So um, It's a different it's a different for sure. different environment. Maybe if they'd gone a little higher at coal, they could have gotten AC. <laughs> Allegedly, only a million dollars higher, and they could have, and they decided, you know. But I think that that happens a lot with public entities. They, you know, I've heard that if you go to the White House, for instance, or um, congressional offices where the workers work, is those offices are really awful. They're just the worst, you know, and. Um, the public doesn't see them because, and nobody wants to spend money on that. And it's kind of here too. It's like, what, we're going to spend an extra, we could save a million dollars by not putting in air conditioning. Now, quite frankly, all the glass on the back of that coal building, what were they thinking? But south facing glass, <clears throat> I'm not an architect. I don't pretend to be an architect, but it just, maybe they designed it thinking there would be air conditioning. And then when you pull the air conditioning off, ah, ah that's right. Anyway. Hey, ah. there's also been a lot of neighborhood um, feedback about the pickleball courts. Yeah. So let's describe specifically where they would 
be. Also near Academy and Swift Gym. Yeah, downtown. Um, the They're talking about the town applied for Andy Wade, our new community services director. I, I can't keep saying new because he's been there for a year and a half. So we probably should drop the new. Our community services director, Andy Wade, um, applied for two DEM grants or recreation grants. And he kind of told me at the time he was applying, he goes, you know, I don't think we're going to get both, but we'll get one or the other. Now, he happens to sit on that committee, so he knows a lot about the process, and we got both. Um, but um, one of them was for Eldridge, and that was a big one. It's $400,000. I think the town has to kick in 100, and then the state gives the, the rest 25%. And yeah. that was for the field, right? I think we talked about this last and, time. Um, yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah. and then the other one was for Academy Field um, to build pickleball courts right next to... Academy Field's the one right downtown, for those of you who aren't sure, um, behind Swift Gym. And you know, the one a, who's been sled riding. Well, that's true. Where the hill is. Sledding yeah. Hill off of Rector Street. But um, they're talking about the pickleball courts off um just next to spring street kind of between where spring street comes and the basketball courts there are two basketball courts there now and um and then um you'd put these two pickleball courts and they'd be ada accessible and they would have um there would be landscaping around them and they would be official pickleball now unofficial pickleball happens all the time at, right. on the basketball courts years ago the uh former uh, community services director Kathy Bradley had heard about pickleball being big and she had the lines painted on the basketball courts so that all you have to do is put up your net and you can play pickleball on a basketball court uh, or probably a tennis court too but in this case basketball so people play pickleball there already oh, however they have to bring their their net they set it up and um, you know and and I have to admit, I do hear it from my house. I don't find it unpleasant. What's but it I'm sound also, like? Plock, plock, okay. plock. I, I, it's not... Not like a tennis I ball. Live, no, it's a little noisier. Although, okay. you know, I remember years ago asking, maybe Kathy Bradley, but, you know, I wanted a backboard for tennis. And, um, and she goes, oh, those are really hard to get in because there, there are a couple at the high school but they're kind of in bad re disrepair at this point. And people don't like them in neighborhoods because it's this repetitive hitting, hitting, hitting in a way that's different than an actual game. Right. And it, you're hitting on this backboard. Um, pickleball courts are kind of like wiffle balls. They're harder than a tennis ball. Um, but it's a very popular game. Oh, Everybody, it sure is. You know, it, de it was developed... And kind of marketed to um, older people, maybe seniors who had loved tennis but couldn't quite handle a full tennis game anymore because the court is smaller. The net is lower. The net is lower. Everything about it is a little more intimate and just you don't have as much court to cover. Um, but it turns out it's not just older people who like this game. Everybody is liking pickleball. So the demand for pickleball courts is pretty high. Um, and so anyway, they, you know, he gets the grant to put them there, and then the next phase would be to design them. But suddenly the neighbors are like, wait a minute, this is right in my 
yard, basically, especially for some of them. Some of them, it sure. literally is, they're going to be looking they're over right at it. right across the street, yeah. Now, you could say, hey, there's already pickleball going on, but this is closer, and it would be dedicated pickleball. And from what I'm hearing, those courts would probably be pretty busy all the time. Um, now, I'm sure you could put, um, you know some sort of time limits like, okay, you can't start playing until 8am and you have to stop at five or whatever it is. Um, but the fact is people are unhappy about losing. They talk about losing green space and, um, which is, you know, which is a reality. Um, and, um, and just the proximity to these other homes. So what happens next? Well, They've been talking to town officials, and, you know, I think there's some um, miscommunication on both sides, like not everybody's hearing each other. Um, And I did talk to Andy Wade a few days ago. There's a meeting Monday night at the police community room, Friends of Academy Field, F-O-A-F. How do you say that? F-O-A-F. Oh, of course, FOAF, yeah. <laughs> I knew that. Hello. FOAF is meeting on Monday <laughs> at 5 p.m. And, and, and town officials will be there. So August 1st. August 1st, exactly. Okay. Thank okay. you. Thanks for Well, because out. people yeah, may be I know. listening people to this People might later. be listening yeah. to this two weeks We don't from want now. them looking for FOAF on the wrong day. Yeah, FOAF. Thank you. God, you're good at that. Um, and um, anyway, they're gonna, the town officials will be there. I know the residents, some of the residents... Uh, one idea that's been floated is, hey, there are two basketball courts there. Nobody ever really plays full court basketball on both courts. Why not? Which is true. Having lived there for quite a while now and walked through that on those basketball courts daily, daily, multiple times, um, I can say it's really rare that you would have two full court basketball games going on at the same time. So one thought is take, keep one basketball court and take the other one and make it into two pickleball courts. So you're containing, you're not, you're not losing green space. You're getting official pickleball. It could be a win-win. Maybe and they can still you know, use the funding if they and do they could that, still, right? I believe yeah. so. I, you yeah. know, I think one of the things Andy Wade said was, listen, this was never a completely done deal the way I, you know, it was proposed. This was, you know, we were always going to have to go through the process, go through the process. So, so stay tuned on that. We'll find out, but it's, you know, it's interesting to see how people get engaged people, you know, it, it always happens like this, you you know, never people who never have gone to a town council meeting. I remember somebody saying that to me a while ago because of high Hawk traffic on high Hawk road. And they went and the guy said, I've lived in town for 30 years. I've never been to a town council meeting. And here he is talking to the town council saying, Hey, you guys got to do something about traffic on the speed speed on, on high Hawk. So local, you know, right in your backyard issues will mobilize you. Right. Well, that'd Which be is good. Then they wouldn't have to move our tree, our EG tree installation there. <laughs> EG That's tree true. Although Andy Wade <laughs> early on promised that he would move those trees. So who knows? Who knows? How about the parking? 
around the Providence Oyster Bar. That's another thing oh, that's yeah. gotten some yeah. uh, uh And we have not written about that, although I think in the next week, maybe by the time you're listening to this, we already would have covered it. Um, so now we're talking about where Sweet Twist had been. Wait, where Sweet Twist had been. We lost that lovely gift store, but now we have Providence Oyster Bar. And guess what? People are really happy about it, and they keep going and going and going to Providence Oyster Bar. They have valet parking, and they have a fairly large parking lot. However, a lot of people think, oh, I'm not going to need valet. I'll just park on the street. And they're parking on Grandview and Eugene mainly. Which is legal. Which is legal. All those spaces are legal. They just, nobody ever quite anticipated this use. So a lot of the residents who've been there a long time are kind of like, wait a minute, what happened to my neighborhood? I now have this, you know, the streets are clogged with cars parked. And I mean, there's been talk, it's similar to what happened with, you know, the waterfront restaurants, you know, inebriated customers in their neighborhood. I I don't know about that. Um, I've still got to write, do my story. But I have talked to a couple people and people have come to the town council meeting, which I think is always a good way for people to, you know, raise their issue in a more public way. If you have a concern, you write to your town council person, or you could just attend a meeting and they have public comment at the beginning of the meeting. And if it's not a topic on the agenda, they, you can, you can spout off on whatever that is. Um, so in this case, I think twice now people have talked to the town council. So they, the town council knows it's an issue. I'm not really sure what they do at this point. Like, could they say that you couldn't park on those streets? Do they, they do give the license to Providence Oyster Bar to operate and the zoning board was supposed to figure out the parking issue. So, um, I think some neighbors had brought it up even before the restaurant opened. I think people were kind of anticipating, uh, yeah. oh, this could be trouble. Yeah. I know? think, I think you're right. I think yeah. they did. And, um, so maybe there, maybe people are feeling like, oh shoot, the town didn't do its due diligence. Um, it's a new use for that venue, mm-hmm. and um, and it is, you know, even though it's on Post Road, it does abut this neighborhood. Yeah. So the neighborhood's feeling the effect. A third um, instance I can think of from the last month that's gotten a lot of uh, neighborhood attention not necessarily neighborhood, e.g. overall, is 1149, the restaurant being oh, yeah. torn down yeah. to put up Neon Marketplace. And people are like, oh, my gosh, that's been a traffic you know, problem for, I, for a while. You know, and also, potentially, a yeah. car wash, yeah. right? Yeah, car wash is going through the regulatory process right now. And uh, I don't know if a car wash is going to make a change. I think Neon is, and I... And I have to admit, I'm, we've been a little slow. Uh, part of the problem is it's in Warwick. I'm, we're not tuned into Warwick um, government actions as well as we could be, I suppose. Um, but this one's really an East Greenwich story and location, even though it's in Warwick. So I need to do a little, we need to do a little more work on that one, figuring out the whole traffic thing. Because... So 1149, a restaurant, it was a popular restaurant. And if you've ever been to the back of that lot, it was 
There was a lot of parking available there. Right. It's and been it was so often, many restaurants. It has Mario's, been a lot. Yeah. Jason's. I can't even remember yeah. all. It seems like no one can stay in business there. Well, I know, but 1149 had a good run. I mean, I think uh -huh. they were there more than 10 years. I okay. think, and they did do well. Um, however, that's a different type of clientele. You drive in, you park, you stay for a couple of hours, and then you leave. So even if there are a few hundred people doing that on a given night, that's different than a convenience store where you drive in, you gas up, you go get your um, oven roasted pizza, apparently at Neon. They're and that's what makes that. it a dif different from, I don't yeah. know, Cumbies or 7-Eleven yeah, or Yeah, it's Wawa. a little, it's, it's definitely supercharged is I think the words I used in the story. Because I went into the one on Airport Road. I was driving home from something and I'm like, oh, there it is. I pulled in took a couple pictures. I went into the shop. I saw, you know, they've got, they've got seating. It's definitely, you know, it's kind of a nice thing. I have to admit, I'm not sure this is the right location for it because the one on post road and airport road literally has three, it exits onto three different streets. This one is only going to have the one. So are there uh, a lot of accidents already at that intersection? You know, I have to get back that, to you on that, that one. That might be interesting to look yeah, at. Yeah, I know. Looking yeah. at traffic it's patterns. it's always a little awkward to get across both lanes and into that parking lot, I yeah. think. Yeah, it is. I, I, I mean, it'll be really interesting. They'll probably have a couple different ones. Again, I just, I look at how the Warwick one is set up with entrances and exits off of three streets, Post Road, Airport Road, and whatever. There's a smaller side street there. But you can get in and out of that from three different streets. Here, this one, it's all going to be in and out of division. And um, and where would the car wash be? Just as car part wash of the is, whole complex? It's actually on the side where that house was. Remember that house? Oh, I do. The house between 1149 you know and, and the Did road. Did you ever want to go look around in there? Oh, uh, yeah. Even though yeah. I thought it would, would be just such a terrible spooky. mistake and spooky because it was so decrepit. Well, it was but so it was decrepit so for so long. And then, yeah. and then Warwick Fire used it as a practice house for a while. And then it's still sad. And I'm just like, yeah. I think I, we did a couple stories on it. Like, what the heck's happening with this house? <laughs> What's well, the problem here? Now it's kind of the staging ground for DOT. So, um, so you for know, the clearly, overpass work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So clearly nothing's going to happen until they're done. But, but the um, house is where the car wash would be. The house is where, or the house is where the car wash will be, or the house was where, well, however how, you say that. That's really how we do directions in Rhode Island. It's where the house used <laughs> to where be. Where that torn down <laughs> fire house used to be. Oh yeah. Next I know to 1149. <laughs> Everyone would be like, oh yeah, I know that. I know that spot. So, I mean, would a car wash bring even more traffic? Personally, I think the convenience and ga convenience store and gas station are going to do the real damage. And then if you're already there, maybe you're going to get a car wash. I don't see you going just for the car wash, probably. I don't know. I don't know how people do car washes. Well, then there are two car washes, not all that far right. from there. Just go down the hill. But yeah, yeah. interesting. Okay. But I do feel like this was, this was, I, I'm you know, because it doesn't really matter to most people in Warwick, it just skated through. Right. And it does matter to East Greenwich. And what did East Greenwich, you know, they, they did need to be alerted because they're in a butter. But, um, and so I asked Andy about it and I think I wrote whatever he said there. Um, 
it doesn't help that our planning department has completely flipped. We have a brand new town planner, brand new assistant town planner, and our planning technician position is now vacant. So we had a very stable planning department for many, many, many years, and now we have a brand new one. And, um, you know, for they may be fantastic, um, but they don't have that history and, and just, you know, having to get into a whole new town and whole new stuff. So um, I do want to look into it and talk to DOT a little more about the whole traffic issue. I don't think there's any stopping neon at this point. And there is a light there. And there is a light there. At least there's a light there. Yeah. I was wondering yeah. if there was a way to attach neon or have a driveway into the um, showcase cinema lot. Oh. I can't quite. I'm trying to visualize what's there. Is it just woods? I feel like it's woods. Anyway, I'm sure that That's showcase would not idea. want it, but it could alleviate some traffic, perhaps. But let's talk music a little bit. Oh my gosh! Ah. It's been what a what a. This is a great state for music and music festivals, yeah, it is. don't you think? It is a I mean, we're kind of known state. for restaurants, but when you think about, you know, the jazz festival, the folk festival, yeah. the um, I'm so glad Rhythm and Roots will live to back. see another yeah. day. Yeah, that's a fantastic festival. Yeah, but you got to go to the. Did you go to the folk festival? I you went to the folk Joni, festival. Didn't you? I did. I got to, um, you know, sometimes you kind of forget what what's possible when you uh, run a news organization. And it never even occurred to me that we could cover the Folk Fest. And part of me, it felt a little out of my depth. I'm not a music expert, and it's not in my town. Why, it's all the way over in Newport on Aquidneck Island. <laughs> you practically have to pack a lunch. Um, and so I hadn't thought about it until I got an email from uh, Julia Ordog. She grew up in town. The Ordog family, um, probably some of you listening might know them. And um, she's a professional photographer now. I think she graduated high school, um, e.g., in um, 2012 or something like that. So she hit me up in 2019. She goes, hey, Elizabeth, um, could I get a press pass through you to go to the Folk Fest? I'm like, gee, I don't know. So I looked into it, and sure enough, I could. You know, she could. She went for three days, covered it, sent all these great pictures, and that was the one with Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton showed up the final night, I think, of the festival um, as a big kind of surprise, a big Brandy Carlisle, again, curated set. It They've gone awesome. with the, the uh, surprise headliner. Yes. Yeah, they have. In they definitely years. have thrown in some really fun surprises. Um, so anyway, that was 2019. Of course, the pandemic happens. 2020, no, no festival. 2021, I'm thinking, you know what? Wait a minute. Why am I not going to this? Plus, to be honest, when you get pictures for something that you haven't been to, and Julia did a bit of a write-up, I think, or she sent some captions, but it's really hard for me anyway. I find it so much easier to cover anything that I've actually gone to or witnessed. Well, yeah, or, you have you a know. point of view then. I mean, that sounds obvious, of course, mm -hmm. but um, I'm not a press release person. I really prefer to be there. So, um, so this time... Uh, a year ago, we split some coverage because because of the pandemic. It was over six days instead of three. This year, we're back to three. Julia's there. 
she lives in Colorado, but she loves festivals and she's there. She takes fantastic pictures. Please check her work out. She took some really nice shots and you can check out her work on her website. Um, she does commercial work as well, but, um, uh, anyway, so, and I got to go, it's blindingly hot, you know, last weekend. Um, but I, I mean, the nice thing about being media is there is a tent so you can get a little shade if you want, but if you really want to see the acts, sometimes you're going to be in the sun. And so I wore a hat, I wore my sunscreen, uh, had my long shirts on sometimes to cover well, my arms. It, it's nice too because they have a couple of side stages that they do, do have cover, like the main stage. You're you're on Although your own. Sometimes you know, depending on the act, you might have to fight your way in, and it's just fascinating to me. Like they don't announce the lineup ahead of time; they just yeah. sell tickets, and then as the festival gets closer, they start announcing the artists that are going to be there. But that's really morphed over time because they used yes. to announce everything, and yeah. it was never sold out. You yeah. know, like in the 90s and early 2000s. Yeah. It went through a lull, definitely. Yeah, it and, really um, did. It's a great festival, though. It's, it's an amazing festival. And co- quite frankly, uh, you know, so last year when I went, I didn't know most of the acts. You know, there were a few headliners. I think Beck was there last year um, when I was, for the one of the three days I was there, and some other, you know, kind of well-known people. But a lot of them are people I'd never heard of. I had a ball, and I don't know if it was because I hadn't listened to live music for a while because of COVID, but I just was like, holy cow, there's, this is fantastic. The weather happened to be perfect, okay, right. i say that, and fewer people because they had spread it out over six days because of COVID. So, so give here we us, go. Tell us about Joni coming so, out. So, oh my gosh. So this year, day, five, day three, first of all, there's weird rumors going on. And I had heard on Friday from um, Paul Langhammer, who lives in EG, he's a festival regular. He goes, hey, listen, I'm not going to be here on Sunday, but I heard Joni is going to maybe be there. And I'm like, okay. I don't, you know, I mean, there's rumors awash over that sure. place. And, and Paul Simon was there Sunday and I did not catch that set for a couple of, we had some visitors and um, I came, I went to the Folk Fest, but I didn't, I wasn't able to stay the whole time. But, um, and I was sorry to miss Paul Simon, but here I am back and I'm like, oh no, I'm not, we're not, we're staying till the last song is sung for sure. And um, so Brandy has what she's calling her Joni Jam and um, on the stage, it's um, a lot of people who played the festival and Winona Judd and Allison Russell, who is another um, vocalist who's fantastic, by the way, who had curated a set the year before. Um, and, um, and there's Joni Mitchell. And she, you know, she comes on stage. People go crazy. But nobody was really sure. Is she even going to sing, you know? I don't think that Brandi Carlisle was sure if she was going to sing. I think... They'd practiced, they'd rehearsed for sure. They knew what they were going to be doing and who was going to be singing what. They had different artists. Elise sang a song. Um, and um, But when she started singing on Oh Canada, oh my gosh, or Canada, um, <clears throat> it was just gorgeous. I mean, Brandy's got a beautiful voice. She's carrying it. And then suddenly you're hearing the mic you know, you're hearing Joni on the mic and then Brandy's hearing it and she's like, okay, time for me to back off, back off the mic. And Joni took that song home and it was just gorgeous. And then, then, then Brandy gets up and Joni stands up cause she's seated 
everybody's seated, which is really nice. It doesn't, I think, make Joni feel funny if Joni had to be seated because she couldn't stand for an hour, let's say. Um, and um, at one point, she stands up, they give her a guitar, and she plays. And Brandy was like, it's a trust fall here, folks. You know, this is amazing. I mean, Brandy was as happy as the rest of us. We were all going crazy. Oh, that's wonderful. And, um, so a lot, a lot, a lot of fun. And a side benefit for EG News to be able to be there and bring that firsthand coverage, even though it obviously isn't EG, but it was a nice, great, great I went event. to uh, YouTube immediately the next day when I read about it on Facebook because I wasn't there. And mm -hmm. Um, I didn't watch the whole set, but I, I saw both sides now. Yeah. Oh, my oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, I got the end. I, I didn't put it in. They tell you we're not supposed to be videotaping. Yeah. And, of course, everybody is up there with their phone. The audience is. But I felt as a publisher, I wasn't going to, um, you know, I wasn't going to publish a video. Well, no. So, or I even had, just as a I person, a, a respectful video. person. If they, they well, I mean, I did it. shoot a little video, but I didn't share it on the website. But, um, you know, there is something. You kind of want to just capture that moment. But in truth, that moment's in my heart, you yeah. know, forever. So, you know, so when, that's when fine. Bob Dylan came back, yeah. you know, he's so known for the time when he went electric and then he came back many many years later yeah. and um and they do this at other bob dylan shows they say you know you, no no photography but he really meant business at the folk festival he came out in disguise really yeah he had a fake beard he had yeah and he never took it off <laughs> that is so odd well, but you know bob dylan's character. a bit of a character he yes a character. absolutely he is <laughs> and one other newport um music note Newport Live, the reincarnation of Common Fence yeah. music in Portsmouth. Yeah. Now yeah. they're back and they have uh, a new venue, which is the Newport Congregational Church. And they've partnered um, for a summer outdoor concert series with the Norman Bird Sanctuary. Oh, my something gosh. Something else to look yeah, forward fantastic. to. Yeah, fantastic. Just fantastic Live. stuff. There's a lot of good, yeah. great music out there. Okay, a couple of police log notes before we go. <laughs> okay. First of all, the Find My Phone feature. Yeah. Really, really helpful for the... It's been helpful in my house, certainly. Uh, I'm afraid it's been helpful in my personal <laughs> life as but well. But that was interesting that that was used... I know. ...in a phone theft or I know. a phone misplacement. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't even the police. It was somebody whose phone disappeared and then they checked and I um, mean you know it's a bit mysterious we yeah. don't have the full story but but it was at the car wash and she somebody had been, else's this car. person had been on main street and now it was at a car wash so they retrieved it no files no files no, no charges, charges filed. Were, no files were charged no <laughs> charges were filed you know but yeah find my iphone find my phone did the trick uh, and maybe we should do a PSA about 911. Don't call it to see if it works. It does. I know. It does work. It absolutely works. And that was just another one of those weird police log things. It's like, oh, I just was calling to see if it worked. <laughs> okay. Yep. Yep, it works. So... <laughs> My niece, when she was about five, called 911 because she got up for breakfast and she didn't know where her dad was. He was in the garage and he said the police pulled into the driveway. He's wow. Like, What's going on? Well, I mean, they take it very seriously when you call well, 911. You know, yeah. like if you call and you're like, oh my God, I didn't mean to do that. And you hang right. up. 
they call back because right. they're like, you know, wait, could what be if, something terrible. Yeah. Yeah. What if somebody's been held hostage? So, okay. So plans in the work for our birthday party yeah. on September, September 8th? 8th, Thursday, September 8th, 5 30 to 7:30 at the Varnum Armory. And, um, I think that's a wrap for now. I think we're going to be doing an interview podcast maybe um, sometime later in August. And then we'll be back with our regular monthly wrap-up in about a month. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Bye. You've been listening to the EG News Director's Cut Podcast, the official podcast of the East Greenwich News Publication. If you haven't already, head on over to eastgreenwichnews.com and sign up for our newsletter so you can be notified of everything that's going on in our community. And also, hit that follow or subscribe button so that you can be notified every time we upload a new episode.